0: You're listening to War for Idiots A podcast
1: by idiots For idiots Board Delete (laughs) (laughs) You recorded it and then you deleted it Yeah
0: (laughs) The software's been upgraded man, I can't help it So I did record it, I just deleted
1: it Okay, so is it recording right now? Yeah it's recording right
0: now Are you sure? It's recording right now
1: You start Ladies and gents, boys and girls, podcast listeners around the world, welcome. Welcome to this historic day, the very first recording of War for Idiots, or what we like to call WFI. WFI, and, and actually technically
0: it's our second recording, but we won't go. into It's our second recording,
1: time. we'll talk about that a little later. My name is Rich. And I'm Mick. And we are the idiots that you have been looking for now. WFI, War for Idiots. The word idiot has been used to describe us, both Mick and I, realistically, ever since I've known you. I, I yeah, indeed people would used, call me an idiot well before you and you met me too. I don't think of a another word that I've used to describe you more than an idiot. Um, that's true, you are really a, For man, as man. long as I've known you. And we like to refer to ourselves as the Hamish and Andy of war. Yeah, that's right. And
0: I don't think it's a misapplied description because we're applying it uh, and that's what we mean to
1: describe Which is service. the opposite of misapplied?
0: Yeah, I what? think so. Well, I actually don't know what misapplied <laughs> means. <laughs> I just thought it would make me sound anybody. really smart. Um, <laughs> but what we want to do is we want to go through and, and, and show how a couple of idiots like uh, us like us, can go through and understand some of the bigger issues to do with war. Exactly.
1: So uh, we, we yeah. wanted to take something like war, which is deep, which is violent, which is throughout all our history, and apply a little idiocy to it, not apply the normal academic rigor that people normally would, and just talk about warfare like two normal idiots at a pub. Did you say deep? Oh, yeah. Now, that wasn't me or Mick. Uh, that was Mick and his soundboard that he has discovered, so I apologize because he gets very, very carried away with it. Now, the word idiot. Idiot has a lot of synonyms. Um, I'd like to go through a couple, if you wouldn't mind. Yeah, feel free. Uh, sometimes I've called you an idiot, sometimes I've called you a fool, Yeah. sometimes I've called you a half-wit. Yeah, you, you have, yes. Any, any ones that you like?
0: Well, look, you've called me a moron before. Um, I'm pretty True. sure I've called you a dullard, and
1: I, if I haven't, dullard. I think you're a dullard. I do like dullard. But my favourite, nincompoop. Nincompoop because it has the word poop. poop in it, and at the very end of the day, we are just two adolescent guys that find stuff like that incredibly funny. Yeah, and boy adolescent guys, we're in our mid-30s. Correct. So here is Richard the ignoramus and here is Mick the imbecile about to talk about war. Something much more serious to take forward with. Now listen, what are we trying to do here today, Mick? What are, what are we doing in this room? So in this room, we are recording a podcast. Right. And that's the end of the show. So look, I hope you... No, okay. So we're <laughs> no. re- so, recording a podcast.
0: Yeah. And what, what we're, what we're going to do is we're going to grapple with some pretty heavy topics and we're going to grapple with them in a way that we can understand. And <coughs>
1: hey, there's nothing wrong with an idiot if he keeps it simple. And I think you know you, you hit the nail on the head there. We're going to grapple heavy topics, but it's not to discount how heavy the topic is by grappling it through, through the scope of an idiot. It's it's to just understand these topics for the normal person, to understand it less than that high, high university standard, which both of us can't understand it, that standard anyway, yeah. but just understand concepts that are normally discussed at the higher level at the medium level, where we're at.
0: Yeah, and where, where does the average guy or girl get their information from? Well, normally, they turn to the news or pop culture, but from now on, they're gonna to turn to WFI.
1: That's right. Okay, so what are we gonna do on today's show? Well, today, that, today's show is our first show. Uh, in fact, it's our second show. It's our second show. We recorded, I would say, an Oscar winning show. Now, 32 minutes worth. A lot of people would say that uh, podcasts don't get Oscars. I think that's how good it was. A lot of people are wrong. Now, the first step was Mick said I didn't record it. We laughed, because you know, we had fun doing this, so we're gonna do it again. And then he realized he did record it, but then deleted it. Irregardless, which is a, a great word. It's actually a late 19th century word, I like it. We're gonna do another one. So what are we gonna talk about? Well, no, one, no one's to blame though. No one is to blame uh, except everyone in the room except for me. So the first thing we're going to do is we're going to talk about why we're doing this show. Why are we doing War for Idiots, the background and really the genesis of what we're doing here. Then we're going to go on to talk about Carl von Clausewitz uh, and arguably his most famous quote uh, to come from his work on war. And then finally, we're going to tie this all in, talk about what it means for the modern day man, for the modern day woman, for the modern day uh, practitioner of war, or, or just for the modern day civilian that could be listening to this whilst they're walking down the street. So that's really what we're trying to achieve today.
0: Yeah, but you know what we should do, we're talking
1: about war. There are warriors out there. I there we should warriors. start with a quote. A quote? Something academic, something profound, something by someone who encapsulates the essence of war, the essence of warrior, uh, to really set the scene and highlight exactly what we're trying to do. I think that's a a great idea. Yeah, and
0: and look, you've got a great quote there that I think you should let everyone know
1: from, one of our most respected warriors. Here it is. The quote is, treat everyone the same until you find out they are an idiot. Yeah, and that is from the greatest warrior of all time. Lucy Lawless. Now, Lucy Lawless, for those that don't know, is, of course... Xena, Princess, Warrior. Xena, Warrior, Princess. Oh, I would that, argue... Uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah, Xena, Warrior, Princess. I would argue that no one, no one that's ever existed in this world of reality, of which Xena existed, Hang on, knows, more, studio knows more, more about warfare than Xena, Warrior, Princess. Okay, you take over. Uh, I'm going to get the lights to turn yeah. back on. Yeah, so you get the lights
0: back on the studio. So... What's the basic rundown, uh, apart from, look, we could talk about Lucy Lawless all day. And anyone who's seen any of the shows she's been in would understand why. She encapsulates everything you want in a warrior. But we want to talk about ourselves. Why? Because sometimes we're self-centred idiots. But we also think we owe it to
1: you to understand why we consider ourselves idiots and where we're coming from. So who are we? Well, uh, Mick and I have been friends for a very long time now. Uh, we are both veterans uh, of modern war, modern combat. Uh, we are both university students, having studied our undergrads together uh, at university. Both different undergrads, or same undergrad, but very different sort of subjects, yeah. uh, very different approaches to that. Yeah. Uh, and at the same time, now after a big gap between our undergrad, we're doing further studies into warfare. Uh, so we come from warfare from from kind of the same but different backgrounds at the same time.
0: Yeah, and so. How would you classify yourself, Rich? If you're gonna if you're gonna apply yourself as a, you know, I
1: am this type of student of this type of theory. So, when I talk about who I am and how I relate to war theory, I would define myself as classically untrained. So I went through university, I studied uh, not very well. Uh, I was there. He didn't. He was there. He, he saw a lot of the unstudying. Um, so I would say I'm classically untrained, and I and I've experienced war. I've gone to war, I, I have watched a lot of movies on war, but only until recently did I start to, and because I'm forced to, read about war and understand the theory of war and understand the background of war. So I would say at this point in time, I'm classically untrained. I come from a very clear background, uh, understanding of war, and I'm gonna bring that into the conversation, that of the normal person who is, you know, thinks of war as just something you see on TV, Something you see on the news, uh, something you watch in a movie, and uh, not too much more than that. Uh, but Mick, you are not this type of person.
0: I'm not. If I was going to describe me, if I was going to yell at something to me in the street, I would yell out. You are a huge nerd. <laughs> so I love this soundboard on a side note. <laughs> I'm going to throw it. Anyway. Um, don't, that's actually my phone. That's your phone, okay. Well, No, ladies and gentlemen, this that's is a, a professional, studio. professional <laughs> soundboard. Um, Look, I, I did my undergrad, me and Rich did some subjects together, but I focused mainly on military history, so I started grappling with these topics as an undergrad. I'm not suggesting I grappled with them well, because I wouldn't be on a show called Wall for Idiots if I necessarily had a, had the penny drop back then. That's right. uh, and then I've gone through, I've done, I've done some more study, I've done some post-grad stuff in this area, and I'd consider myself classically
1: trained, but unconventionally good looking. <laughs> that's, that's... um it's kind of funny but fairly untrue but anyone can have muscles you know when we we put these things two together sorry when we put these two things together i think that what we're trying to achieve here when we look at warfare through the scope of two idiots is we're bringing something very unique to to the study of warfare we're bringing two guys who had the same beginnings uh but different journeys to a point in time where they now have to study warfare. But we're gonna talk about the same topic and having co- lots of conversations with Mick, I know that we agree on many things, we disagree on, on a lot a lot of things, and hopefully that dynamic, when understanding such deep topics as war, why we go to war, what we're doing in Did war. Did you say deep? Oh, yeah. Hopefully through that, <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna get a good understanding and you're gonna get something out of this show. Now, let's talk about podcasts. Now, first I must say congratulations Uh, to Mick and his podcast, The Dead Prussian. Uh, If you haven't listened to it before, The Dead Prussian uh, is available on iTunes or wherever you get your uh, podcasts from. And you know what? The Dead Prussian talks about a lot of the same concepts that we're going to explore. And and very much, I think that what we want to achieve here on Wolf for Idiots kind of stems from what you do on The Dead Prussian.
0: Yeah, so thanks um, for the shout out. I'd, I'd like to congratulate the listeners for having the opportunity to listen to me as well. But... (laughs) <laughs> the, the, the trick with the Dead Prussian, and hopefully some of the audiences carried it across, hopefully not the really smart ones because they might um, send me a few emails after this, uh, but what we do on the Dead Prussian is we take high-level academic material and we break it down, but we do it with those producers of that high-level academic material. Yeah. It's not just boring people. I also talk to people like Max Brooks who wrote World War Z or August Cole who wrote The Ghost Sleep. So, so, you know, celebrated so, authors about warfare. Yeah, so it, warfare. it's pretty big. Pretty big in its scope because I also talk about people who study military biographies. Mm. Um, but the goal is to break it down and make it accessible. What this is is the next step. It's the people who that information is broken down, down for, the grabbing it and chatting about it. Yeah, that's so. Right. If you think of this
1: as the dead Prussian gives you the food,
0: we're here eating it, and, <laughs> and <laughs> well, I room. love food.
1: <laughs> Good. I did not think you were gonna make that connection. Tick in the box, you made it. Okay, we're making relevant we're making material relevant to the guys and girls that are in the middle. Yeah. That's basically what we're trying to achieve here. So, let me say to you something, Mick. Uh, okay. As the number one, number one uh, person, I would say in Australia, in the world, who <coughs> has a deeper understanding of class, which more than anyone in the world, uh, inside this room tell me about
0: Klauswitz. look rich i'm glad you said inside this room because you know hugh Straugh and don stoker and uh vanier Therner, they were just
1: here i wouldn't have said that yeah until they left but yeah, they were they just, just here just, a minute they ago they just left and, like, and they wanted an, to get some advice from us
0: yeah and tulio is just out making a cup of coffee hopefully yeah. he doesn't come back in yeah but um look for those who don't know who big Carl is he, he was never known as big carly he might have been known as big carly time. i don't know that he wasn't
1: i don't speak german but i'm pretty sure Big (laughs) Carl is not what they would have called him.
0: Yeah, well, anyway, um, so Carl von Klausitz, he was a a Prussian uh, military officer in the 19th century, early 19th century. Um, He grew up in the Napoleonic Wars. And when I say he grew up in the Napoleonic Wars, I'm talking about a 12-year-old going off to fight in his first battle against Napoleonic forces. Mm. But he wasn't just a fighter. And what often gets lost is the fact that he was a fighter because of the other aspect of his life. He was a writer. Mm. He was a thinker. And he went through and he wrote this tome, this massive tome, this hefty tome called On War. He never published it, though. His wife and his brother-in-law, they published it for him after he died because cholera sucks. There's no <laughs> l- proof that it was cholera that killed him, but he got cholera, then got better, then died. But I think people quote you on that. Cholera sucks. Oh, cholera, cholera does. Yeah, actually, the, I, I am. I'm taking a stance right now. And I will
1: say... <laughs> Cholera sucks. You know, if, we, we didn't want this podcast to be polarizing, but I think, think we've arrived. There's right. going to be a lot of cholera lovers out there. that <laughs> are going to hate this. Um, okay, look. So, good intro on Klaus Um My understanding of Klaus witz to be quite honest with you, the vast majority of what I understood from Klaus witz Came from listening to the Dead Prussian. Came from the early episodes of Dead Prussian, where you really broke down what Big Carl did, what he wrote about. Um, you know, you had authors that spoke about him. That, that's really when I first started learning about Clausewitz. W- w- what is your history? What is uh, your understanding of what Klauswitz did and, and the theories that he spoke of?
0: My history with Carl is that, uh, despite the fact that I look like a nineteenth-century Prussian gent, <laughs> that's got d- more to do with my hard I d- life.
1: I don't know. If, yeah, that's not a compliment.
0: That's no, not a compliment. But- that's the unconventionally part of the good looking. Do you
1: think they look like Dolph Lundgren or something like
0: yeah, that? Yeah, well, and for those ladies and gentlemen out there, particularly particular ladies, I do look like Dolph Lundgren. <laughs> um, I'm just not as tall and slightly fatter. Um, look, I had to deal with Carl in my undergrad, and I did not like him. Um, Why is that? one i paid fifty dollars for the book and i've got the receipt and when you're when you're a uni student you don't pay fifty dollars for anything unless it's got rum in it yeah and then the other um point was he, he's hard to get into ladies and gentlemen he's hard to read i then dealt with him in a follow-on postgrad uh, about 10 years after that yep and you know what i didn't i wasn't a fan of reading him still but i could see his usefulness okay but that wasn't until after
1: i'd already been to war yeah yeah isn't that ironic yeah, don't you think? Yeah. So look, where where did I first meet Clausewitz? As I said, uh, I, I had heard of Clausewitz. I, I didn't understand sort of his background or, or you know how much of a philosopher he was on war until I started listening to uh, to the Dead Prussian. It wasn't until I was on one of our career courses uh, that someone stood up and said, "This guy Clausewitz. He wrote about this. He wrote about that." I started taking notes down. I remember writing, uh, you know, Clausewitz uh, read on war. Uh, Google what is Prussia like you know I had no understanding of who this guy was and what he was about so and I distinctly remember downloading the audiobook of on war and trying to listen to it on a car ride once this car ride was meant to go for days and I thought what a perfect time to tick this box and be the greatest military professional in the world and I think I lasted about three hours before it was just so mundane so uh, out of context and I had no idea what he was talking about and I just flicked over to Triple J or something like that. So
0: That's an Australian radio station.
1: An Australian radio know. station it, it, that it, does not speak about classwits on it. Don't even talk about war, boring. Okay. So that's our background to classwits. But but those two journeys then come together where more advanced studies of classwits are something that we are now achieving um, or attempting to achieve. Or attempting to achieve. We don't know yet. We'll get our marks back and let you know. Okay. So this leads me to what we're gonna talk about for today's episode, and that is arguably Klaus Witt's most infamous quote. Now, one of the things that I took away from the dead Prussian was a line that Mick said. I, I, I highly doubt he invented it, and that was that Klaus Witt's Witt is uh, often quoted, seldom read.
0: Yeah, I stole it from Hugh I think.
1: And the quote
0: that we're gonna talk about today is? War is a continuation of politics slash or policy by other means
1: now this is a profound quote we're going to talk about why it's profound for the two idiots in the room um but it's profound also in relation to what mick does in his uh dead prussian podcast because this is very much the answer that a lot of your guests give yeah, Back that's Back in right. the early days. You know, Mick uh, on The Dead Prussian asked them at the very end of the show, how do you define war? Or what is war? A very simple, before you question. Yeah, you got to question. finish the sentence. You know, you've got to finish the sentence, war is. Oh, that's right. Sorry, war is, and they normally say...
0: Yeah, a continuation of politics by other means. And then they get from me a resubmit. Because you, <laughs> you, you, can't you can't just, just plagiarise yeah, 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 yeah.
1: And it makes my show really boring. That's right. <laughs> okay, so that is the quote that we're going to talk about today. And we're going to talk about what it means to us. So, Mick, of The Dead Prussian, I ask of you... What does this quote mean? So,
0: Rich, I think of this quote, and I think of, you know, much Lucy like Lawless. you... Sorry. Yeah, actually, <laughs> much like you, I do think of Lucy Lawless. No, 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 Rich, much like you, I think war is a tool. Mm.
1: Now, that was a joke. Uh, just, they, they probably know because I don't think laughing. they got that. I, I, I can think we hear need to highlight them laughing. He was calling me a tool. Um,
0: anyway, so what, what it shows is that you know, war is something people use to get something else, you know, I am going to use war to get this. It's a bit like what Homer Simpson says, you know. Uh, if you need to prepare for war, you try and get peas with a knife. I, I, I'm still trying to unpack that one.
1: I don't get that whatsoever.
0: <laughs> Anyone who's seen the when Homer takes over the nuclear sub, they'll understand <laughs> half of what I'm talking about. But political objectives is what we're talking about when we hear that. Um, what are they trying to get? Political objectives. So therefore, they should drive war. One thing I've asked myself, though, in the
1: modern day, is that always clear? Do we always understand that? Th- that? That's it. So, you know, of everything that you said, when you said that lame joke that war is a tool, you know, that, that is almost the filtration of this, this simple quote into even more simpler terms that war is a tool. I also said you're a tool as well. And, and you said I was a tool, yeah. not as simple. But for me, that, that is the very context of war. Politics is the context why war exists within the world. And what I learned, or what I sort of came profound to me, after not only reading this quote, but but deeply analyzing what it means to the world and what it means to to what I do in the world, is that war doesn't exist in isolation. War exists because of politics. Now, politics are linked to countries. Countries are linked to states, they're linked to governments, they're linked to individuals that want to achieve something for the bettering of their nation. So if if you link that, war doesn't just exist because people like violence, War exists because countries are trying to achieve something in the world. And this quote, War is a continuation of politics by other means, really brings that all together for me.
0: Yeah, and I mean it brings it together for us now. Yeah, mid thirties, having been to war, yep. having already done some study. Yeah. So the big question is, why is this not why is this not known?
1: You know? Look, I don't know. <laughs> It, well, obviously, because you're doing a show about it. Because we're doing a show. People haven't listened to this episode yet because Mick keeps deleting them. But yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So why is this not known? There's many answers to that, but the very question itself actually makes me quite frustrated. You know what I mean? It, yeah. it makes me frustrated because I am not a jingo. I am certainly not a warmonger. I, I don't uh, particularly like violence. Um, but I understand the existence of war and I understand why war is important for the continuation of states. Now, I don't believe that a, a pure, pacifist a world can exist. Don't get me wrong. I think it would be amazing if it could, some sort of utopia like that. Yeah. But it can't exist because humans are not that way driven because yeah. at our very essence, at a very uh, pure state, we are just animals. And if you look at it, the animal political kingdom. animals. We are political animals. And animals fight to get what they want to achieve. And that is what war is. Now, war... Is a continuation of politics by other means doesn't mean you have to uh commit war to get those politics means you can threaten war or that you have the ability to conduct war but i kind of sometimes want to shake these pacifists and shake these guys that don't understand why countries are going to war why they're doing this why can't everyone just be nice to each other because that's not how the world is and that's not how humans is war has a place because of politics now if we can have a world that has no politics we wouldn't have progressed as far as we have as humans so war has to happen. And, and how do we make people understand that? Well, firstly, they can start by listening to this podcast. That's right, and I
0: guess what I should clarify is rich means to intellectually shake these people. Not physically shake, I'm not threatening you pacifists. can't convince anyone that force is the way to go if you're shaking them while you're talking <laughs> to them. Um, but what we're saying here is it is a hard sell because it it's not sold often. You know, people like Coke because people were told you like Coke. People aren't always told... Coca-Cola. Yeah, (laughs) Coca-Cola. Yeah, okay. Well, I don't think the other one has a marketing campaign (laughs) apart from any movie made in the 1980s. That's right. But we're talking about Coca-Cola. So war often isn't always sold to people
1: based on the intellectual theory behind it. That's right, that's right, yeah. Well, look, for me, as a practitioner of war, for lack of a better term, it brings a paradigm in my head that, that I really struggle with. Oop, lights are off, hang on. We're, we're in a, the studio keeps cutting off the lights. I'll, I'll, I'll keep on going. It's this paradigm that's patriotism versus pragmatism. Now, I'll explain what I mean. When I think about why people go to war, why people fight, why people choose to serve their country, to me, why did I do it? Well, it's because I wanted to serve my nation. It's because I wanted to, to serve with the mates that I had next to me. It's because I wanted to do something better uh, for something that was higher than myself. I wanted to make my family proud of me. I wanted to make my friends proud of me. I wanted to go and do this thing that was dangerous and exciting at the same time, but important. But then you think about why was I going to war? Well, the government didn't think that that was the reason I was going. The government wanted me as a tool, as part of a large tool, (laughs) being the army, Um, to go achieve some sort of political aim overseas. So you get this paradigm in your head, you get this argument, why do people go to war? Is it because they're patriotic, or is it because they're achieving some sort of pragmatic aim for their state? Now, it doesn't matter whether you fall into one camp or you fall into the other, the point I'm trying to make is when you start thinking about war as means, when you start thinking about war as a continuation of politics, it takes on a whole different dynamic. It doesn't exist in isolation. It is something that people engage in, not because they want to, but because they have to. Now, some people may want to engage into it for other reasons, but the whole reason why it exists is not in fact that individual drive to be at war, but it's an individual drive to better their nation, to better the state. So you know, I call it patriotism versus pragmatism. It's just, it's just differentiated the way that I think about war, why I've been to war, and why we as a nation may go to war in the future.
0: Yeah, it helps people think about it. It's not gonna keep you warm in a foxhole uh, in the middle of a war. But it might explain to you the justification
1: on why you're in that foxhole. Exactly. Okay. So the question I ask, this statement, this quote, war is a continuation of politics by other means. Is it relevant to the contemporary practitioner of war? Is it relevant to the contemporary practitioner of peace? Is it relevant for the normal citizen who's walking down the street, downloading this podcast and telling all their friends about it? Which everyone should do is it is
0: relevant? it well i think it what it does is it, it provides us perspective okay um yeah it's i'm not saying that reading carl von Klausitz will justify every war that's ever occurred and you know there are some wars that we all definitely wish in fact i think most people at the time would have liked to have avoided the war they were in mm. but it provides a perspective on why a decision has been made to go to war yeah and once people understand that there's a perspective applied to it then they can start to debate The reasons why?
1: Yeah, uh, you know, I still remember when I first understood the three uh, levels of war. I think you know when when you first understand that you you get a profound sort of uh, understanding of context. There's there's the tactical level, there's the operational level, and there's a strategic level. Yeah. Many people debate, like Hugh Strawn, whether the operational level actually exists, but we won't we won't go into that debate. We'll do that another time. We'll do that another time. But what I think that this statement or or this quote does is it allows the tactical practitioner of war, the platoon commander, the troop commander, uh, the infantryman, the armored man, the... the, And that's not
0: Iron Man, that's someone who works with a tank. someone who works with a tank. I'm trying to be inclusive. (laughs) But hey,
1: Iron Man, if you're listening, uh, I'm DC, so not a fan. (laughs) This quote allows the junior commander, the tactical commander to transcend their thought up to the operational and beyond into the strategic. If you are a junior commander out there, if you're a a platoon commander, uh, a troop commander, and you are given a mission, if you were to stop for a second and ask yourself, war is a continuation of politics by other means. What is the politics that is leading me to get this mission? And what politics will I better by achieving this mission to the best of my ability? I really feel, and and it's my hypothesis, that to think about Klaus quote, within the context of a tactical setting will transcend your understanding of context, of why you're achieving the mission, of why your higher headquarters wants you to achieve the mission, and of how your simple tactical mission ties into what your country needs you to achieve. I think it transcends thought from tactical to strategic. But Mick, I wanna go deeper than this.
0: You wanna go deeper? Wait, before you go deep, (laughs) you have to see how deep you wanna go. Do you wanna go this deep?
1: Okay, now we've scared off all the normal people. <laughs> Let me try to get back into this. This is War for
0: Idiots. If you're a normal war person, you've
1: got no business downloading the show. But tell your friends. I also think that war's continuation of politics by other means allows the strategic decision makers, the strategic thinkers, to filter, to contextualize their orders and what they want achieved down to the tactical level. So I think much like the tactical practitioner can think about what high wants to achieve through understanding what politics led to the decision, if the strategic can understand exactly what politics they want to achieve, then they're gonna be able to break up that information into small tactical bites and being able to explain that information in a much more clear, concise manner to contextualize what it is they want people at the tactical level to, to achieve. As a pract- practitioner of tactical level warfare, the biggest frustration is that people above me don't set the context for what they want me to achieve. They say achieve A, and I'll achieve A, but if they were to say achieve A, because it ties into B and C, I will achieve A, B, and C to the best of my ability because I understand the context for which it exists. So, my point is, if the strategic level practitioners were to constantly think, war is a continuation of politics by other means, how can I get the tactical guys under me to understand where they fit into the political decisions that led to what we're doing here, I honestly think, that's going to make us all better practitioners of war.
0: Yeah, and when we when we take that out to broader society, you know, let's let's talk about the politics aspect in like I'm a fan of democracy, you're a fan of democracy. And I know that Guilty. we're going to have listeners that may not be living in a liberal democracy. But that's okay. Every society within humanity has a political aspect to it. Yeah. And there's always going to be a political division within society. Yeah. And this carries across into decisions about to go to war. Because no matter where you are in society, if someone is making a decision to go to war about someone else fighting that war, there's going to be a difference of opinion. And by reading this quote, and
1: you don't need to read on war. You can just read this quote. And I think that's a big point. I think you know one thing that this podcast is going to do that potentially the dead Prussian uh, doesn't do is... We don't, we don't want to scare you off, Wits. We're not saying read on war. Yeah. We're giving you this snippet.
0: And that's right. And we're showing you how a applied understanding of some that's of it. his theories can be uh, taken. We call it cherry picking. A lot of people say that's bad. I Maybe that's because we're idiots. But I we like eat cherries. cherries all the time. Constantly. When, when someone says, you want some cherries? I say, <laughs> hell yeah! Um, but <laughs> it's about understanding this political division and that it's the politics that drives the war, not necessarily the war itself. There's other, other parts of Clausewitz that talk about the danger of losing sight of the political objective. We're not going to go into that today. Read book eight if you want to get into that. Um, or maybe it's book seven. Who knows? Expert. Uh, actually, I do know who knows. <laughs> Don Stoker, Hugh Strawn, Antonio <laughs> Chavaria, Who were just here. Who were just here, but they had to leave. Yeah. Hey, um, Antonio's taking a long time getting that coffee. I know, I know. Um, but what it drives to is, this quote's really good because it was based on historical study. Yep. And history has a purpose. Yeah, and it's not just all pop culture. I mean, Walking Dead, great historical show. Game of Thrones, great <laughs>
1: historical show. Yeah? That was the smoothest segue I've ever seen in my life. Now, you, you, it's funny you mention that because I honestly, this concept has changed my life. Now, I don't want to dramatize uh, uh, this whole thing and say that you know I am now zen with, uh, with Klaus Witz. Far from it. <laughs> I've That's gone. the only sound I have close to Zen. <laughs> what I mean is, I can't watch a movie anymore. I can't watch Game of Thrones. I can't watch The Walking Dead without thinking, what is Rick's political aim? No one knows. <laughs> no one knows. Why is Negan carrying around Lucille like that? What is he trying to achieve? Lucille's a baseball backdog person. Why is he starting a war? What are the politics behind but it? But he has politics. I say to my wife sometimes, oh, He's doing this because the politics are that and this type And she's like, shut up. Just she's like, No, show. he's doing that because
0: uh, Jeffrey Dean Baker or Morgan or whatever his name, Jeffrey Dean Morgan
1: is a brilliant actor. That's why he's doing that. Exactly, exactly. And uh, so it, it has literally changed my life. But you know, it, it, it's changed the way I watch movies. But it, honestly, it, it has given me a different outlook on how I look at war, a different outlook on how I look at the decisions that our politicians make. Uh, and, and it sort of has given me a bit of faith. Sometimes I think about, the things that are happening around me and I just think that humanity is gone. And in many ways and in many situations, you could argue and I would argue with you, humanity has gone, but this has also opened my eyes to some of the things that are happening around the world and understood why they're happening. Now, I'm not saying that the why is good by any means, but at least I can understand why people are making decisions. It's because war doesn't exist in isolation, ladies and gents. It is a continuation of that country's politics by other means. Yeah, and that's right, like, it's a good point. It's not about justifying it. It's about finding
0: out the why. Yes. And by finding out the why, you can then start to have that conversation. And it's all about understanding where you can enter into the conversation because these are important conversations.
1: So look, I hope you guys have enjoyed our take on Klauswitz for this episode, that war is a continuation of politics by other means. I hope that you will take this away uh, into whatever it is that you do. Uh, and I'm sure you can tie Klauswitz to, to anything given and really make that relevant Big Carl's relevant in daily life Uh, I hope you enjoy the format and this is pretty much what we're going to achieve uh, in each one of our episodes we're going to take something not something from Klauswitz each time uh, per se no 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 we won't do that but But something about war maybe a case study uh, some stuff about Sun Tzu some other theorists air theorists sea theorists we're we're going to take bits and pieces and we're going to talk about why they're important academically but why they're important to us yeah that's right and you make a good point why is it important to us
0: it's because it's important to study and if you want to start studying this you've got to start by listening and it's no good listening unless you're having conversations about it so the best thing you can do is listen to WFI tell your friend to listen to WFI and then talk about WFI in a public place say on a train
1: that was a plug in the biz we call that a plug that's a plug that's a a plug (laughs) okay and if it's not bad if it's bad we'll just take it out and post all right, look, ladies and gents, that is all we have for this episode. I really hope uh, on behalf of Mick and I that you enjoyed it and that you will download the next one, continue learning, continue progressing forward.
0: Yeah, and if you didn't enjoy it, then I just want you to... Shut up! Yeah, that, that, that did not come out clearly at all. So, yeah, I will give myself this one. You suck! Um, and
1: I will get a better soundboard to next one. Right. Well, on that note, I'm Rich. And this is Mick. We are signing off until next time. And remember, we may be idiots, but so are you. So are you. See you later. War for Idiots is a TDP production. All opinions expressed by individuals on the podcast are those of the individual and not necessarily representative of any other organisation. The music used during Wolf Idiots is Fireworks by Jazar and is used under an Attribution Share Alike 3.0 international licence.